0: Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to the After Show, a podcast related to all things Jeopardy! More specifically, the National College Championship, which wrapped up on Tuesday, February 22nd, on ABC. 36 undergrads from 36 colleges and universities from across the country competed in a battle of wits for a grand prize of $250,000. I'm your host, Jarek, one of those lucky 36, and joining me today are the three finalists Jaskaran Singh, who represented the University of Texas at Austin. Raymond Goslow, who represented Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, and Liz Feltner, who represented Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. The following conversation will include outcome spoilers related to the finals, as well as the tournament as a whole. So if you haven't already watched the Jeopardy National College Championship, or the JNCC for short, you can stream all nine one-hour episodes on Hulu. We hope you enjoy. All right. What a lineup we have here today. Why don't we start with introductions, your name, the school you represented in the tournament,
0: and your major.
2: All Hi, I'm Liz. I represented Northeastern in the tournament, and I am a political science and business major.
0: Hi, I'm Raymond Goslow. I represented Kennesaw State University, and I'm a geospatial sciences major.
3: Uh, my name is Jaskaran Singh. I represented UT Austin in the tournament, and I'm a
1: finance and econ major. Great. And before we start, I want to first thank Jaskarin and Liz for taking time out of your busy schedules to be on this podcast, as well as Raymond, who was in the last episode of The After Show. Now, at the time of us recording this episode, it's been... Oh, man. <laughs> My script here says 12 days, but it's definitely been more than 12 days. Uh, Almost a month, really. Today is March 20th, right? Yeah. Almost a month since the finale, giving us contestants some time to unwind and relax from the hype going into the tournament. But... I can see how that can be a little bit difficult with you three placing at the top. Jaskarn, how has it been being known as the quote-unquote the guy who won big on Jeopardy on campus? Were you expecting the level of fame you are you were experiencing? I know you said right before a call that the fame's died down a little bit, but I know the week the finale aired, there were some photos and videos of you at one of UT Austin's basketball games, and it seems like you were having a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. For a couple of weeks after, it's definitely pretty crazy. I was getting stopped and stuff uh for pictures and uh pretty much everywhere i went i was getting recognized it was it was a lot the support was definitely like overwhelming from the university as well um but now that it's died down i'm glad things have
1: kind of gone back to normal so that's good to hear uh liz i know northeastern threw a campus watch party for you on finale night and it looked like a lot of the student body came out to support you Did the vibe of the room change at all from the start of the finals to the end? Were there people who were frustrated you didn't win? Or were people positive and uplifting throughout the night?
2: It was actually really funny. I didn't really know that they were doing a watch party until that day. It was a little slapdash. And they emailed the entire student body and said we're going to have free pizza. We're celebrating Liz. It was a picture of me, like my press photo of me on the set. And then just like a pizza emoji. And they just sent this out to the entire student body. And we're like, come to this place at this time and get pizza. <laughs> and also Liz is there, you know? Um, so it was a little bit weird because a lot of people showed up and didn't really know what was going on. I had someone ask me what Jeopardy was. I was like, okay, fine. Um, but the people who stuck around were, were really nice. Um, I think the, people who had been following the tournament i don't think anybody expected me to win and so i was kind of just there to have fun see all my friends
1: that's great um was there an after party of some sort that you held or was it just that party
2: uh not that night um that was like a tuesday and it was raining and (laughs) it was just an evening altogether. um but i did have i get together with some friends that thursday which was a lot of fun
1: gotcha uh, Raymond I know we touched upon your watch party experiences in the last episode but we didn't get into much detail about your finale watch party from what I remember you held yours on campus at KSU and even gave a short speech afterwards about your plans for the future so my first question is how much planning went into organizing your finale watch party I know there was like a five day turnaround time to prepare everything between your semi final episode and the finale but did you have any involvement in the prep process for that?
0: I didn't really have much involvement in the process as soon as I as soon as it was public knowledge that I was moving on to the final I got in touch with like my press contact at the school and asked about setting up a party and he told me that they were already basically setting one up and um Kennesaw State has two uh campuses and one of them, the Kennesaw campus, is definitely like the main campus, but the Marietta campus is pretty big too. So they set up parties on both campuses and basically just confirmed with me which campus I was going to be at, um, which I was at the Kennesaw campus, the main one. And then everything else was all uh, the school, and there was a lot of work that went into it. They set up hundreds and hundreds of chairs. They got like the the student radio station to come and like play music during the commercial breaks and there were the cheerleaders were there like leading people in cheers uh during the commercial breaks and they had a confetti cannon that went off at the end uh so there was definitely a ton of planning that went into it but i i just basically had to show up so that was nice
1: sounds like there were a ton of surprises you weren't expecting
0: i know yeah
1: (laughs) that was gonna be my question (laughs) was there anything that surprised you at all but it sounds like uh, all those things were completely unexpected and before we move on, could you summarize the little speech that you gave to your audience after the finale aired?
0: Uh, gosh, it's been a month. I don't know if I remember it that well. Uh, basically, I just talked about um, how obviously coming in second wasn't the ending that people were hoping for, especially with like how well I did in my first two games. But it just meant that there was unfinished business for... Someone else at Kennesaw State to maybe come to the tournament in a future year and uh, finish the deed.
1: Gotcha. So inspiring the youth of Kennesaw State is exactly gotcha. Uh, All right, with that out of the way, it's time to move on to questions about the Jeopardy journey. Raymond, I already asked you most of these questions when you were on last time, but if you feel like there's anything that you want to add on to, feel free to interject. So, Jaskarna and Liz, my first question is quite simple. Why Jeopardy? Is it because you know a lot of things? Do you have a background in trivia? Essentially, tell us why you auditioned for the show in the first place. Yeah, so I,
3: I watched the show a lot when I was really young, like five, six, seven years old. And then I uh, fell out of it for a while. Uh, then I think I auditioned when I was 13 for the teen tournament. Didn't uh, end up making it then. Um, but then my parents were like, hey, you should like go for it again. I had done quiz bowl in high school uh, and really enjoyed it. So they were like, hey, you know, try out and, uh, you yeah, know, try it out. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So for me, I grew up watching Jeopardy with my family. We watched it every night. Uh, it was just kind of our thing. I take the test a couple of times, the, the adult test. And then um, that, I mean, for me, Jeopardy is just the best, I guess, fit for, for me personally. I didn't do quiz bowl or anything like that. Um, and I found just from watching it, I have a pretty broad set of knowledge but it's not very deep at all um so even when i go to things like like bar trivia or when i watch a show that's i don't know more tough i can't think of anything but like any other trivia show i i think it's more difficult whereas jeopardy is a lot i guess broader and less deep so it it made more sense for me and i just it's i grew up watching it i love jeopardy
1: what did your timelines look like i'm sure you'll both have similar answers but i think people would still find it interesting to know When you took the online test, when you took the second online test, when you did your mock game slash interview, and finally, when you got the coveted text or call?
2: Yeah, I took the online test in November of 2020. Then I had the uh, second Zoom online test in December 2020. And then I did my mock game audition in January 2021. And then I didn't get the text until September of 2021
3: yeah uh it's funny you mentioned the second online test i have like no memory of that (laughs) uh i remember taking the, the online test in november 2020 like was said and then i just remember in january 2021 i did the zoom audition and then after six or seven months they called me and did a couple phone interviews and then they uh asked if i'd like to come
1: on and yeah okay so next question knowing that you'd be on the show, what was your preparation for the college tournament like all 36 of us were in the middle of our fall semester so I'm curious as to how you made time to prepare and study
3: I think when I was like reading stuff on Reddit and like what other people had said about it they were saying like buzzing is pretty much a lot like it's a lot of the game especially when all the contestants are so smart um so I like watched previous games and as the uh, like as the questions would end, I would like sit on a home, sit at home, like clicking on a pen, uh, to simulate, I guess, buzzing. I think that was, that was probably most of the preparation I did, uh, for a couple of weeks leading up to
1: November. So is it fair to say most of your prep went into buzzing rather than acquiring more knowledge? Yeah. I
3: kind of think like you're kind of at where you're at, uh, prior to taping. Like, I think figuring out ways to like play the game better, I think is probably
1: the best way to go about it rather than like acquiring more knowledge. Raymond, I think last episode you said something similar.
0: Yeah, I definitely didn't uh, cram knowledge or anything. For me, it was less of the physical aspects of the game and more of the mental aspects of the game. Like, don't freak out, that kind of stuff. But definitely a similar mindset of knowledge is where it's at. And how about you, Liz?
2: Yeah, I did a little bit of the buzzing with the TV. like I watched every single night like militantly. And I always had something in my hand, like whatever was nearby. So like a spoon or a pen or like at one point, I remember having a kitchen knife and, and pretending to buzz on the handle. And my roommate was like, what is this? And I was like, I'm watching Jeopardy. I'm playing along. <laughs> um, I, I do think that helped just a little bit to, to practice the timing, because I know that's the big thing that's important. And it, 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 I think it was the biggest challenge for everybody when we actually got out there. Um, I did cram though I will say I didn't have a ton of time because I am spread quite thin but that's just how it is I was kind of um, looking into things that I knew would be on Jeopardy that I knew I could brush up on Um, like there's certain things that I know I don't know and I knew I couldn't learn in like a month and a half like sports like I wasn't gonna learn every every athlete every like i don't even know anything about sports to be able to make a reference every heisman winner like that's that's that wasn't going to come to me but um things like like classic lit and shakespeare plays i had approximate knowledge of and i wanted to make sure i knew the specifics of um like geography knowing certain countries and capitals and just solidifying some of the associations i already had and i found that was actually really really useful i mean i can think of a couple of clues off the top of my head that i got in the games where i was tied that I knew because it was something that I had studied. So I do think it paid off because even just getting one less question right would have been a very different game for me.
1: So you basically polished up on the knowledge you already knew, brush up, nothing too crazy.
2: Exactly. Like strengthen my strengths and ignore my weaknesses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I see. Uh, Okay. So now I want to fast forward to the last day of taping. November 23rd, 2021 seems so long ago. It's like four months ago. Uh, twelve players remain, and by the end of the day, someone was gonna be two hundred fifty thousand dollars richer. Jazz, I believe your semifinal match against Megan and Joey was the last one to finish. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, it was
3: the fourth semifinal match.
1: So first, I want to ask you to briefly talk about your semifinal. Unlike in your quarterfinal match, you were second going into final Jeopardy, and your win condition depended on Megan getting final wrong for you to win. How did you feel after Mayim revealed you came up with the correct response of? Who is Lady Chatterley? And were you mentally prepared to play another two games of Jeopardy immediately after? Yeah,
3: I think so. I think when I won the semifinals, like, I just, a lot of it was a sigh of relief. And then, uh, uh, I forget. I don't think we had dinner then. I think we had dinner later. But, yeah, I I just remember being super exhausted after, uh, the second final. Like, the the three back-to-back games was really taxing. Obviously, it was sweetened by winning. But, um... That was that was definitely uh, uh,
1: exhausting. Those three games. Mm-hmm. Was Lady Chatterley something you knew right away? Because I saw you. Cr- I think I remember you crossed it, crossed something out at first.
3: Yeah. No. What happened was um, when they revealed the category, and then like they said, the characters from banned books or whatever. I was I was thinking, and I was like, I can only really think of four banned books or five banned books that would come up here. And I don't know. I was thinking. I was thinking Madame Bovary, uh, Lady Chatterley's Lovers, Satanic Verses, and then like, Tropic of Cancer or something, and I was like, they're not going to ask about two or three of these, So um, Lady Child, made the most sense. and I, I wrote that down immediately, and then with, like, five seconds left on the Final Jeopardy timer, I was,
1: I was like, did I mess this up? And I was like, it's too late anyways, so. <laughs> I, I think that explains the, the curious look on your face when mine was, like, reading your <laughs> response. Uh, Liz, your semifinal match was, in my opinion, the most thrilling of the four to watch at home. For those listening who don't know, Liz won her semifinal match in a tiebreaker against Kristen. After all three of you, the third player being Emmy, got Final Jeopardy correct, you and Kristen were tied at $22,000 apiece. Your tiebreaker category was the fine arts, and the correct response was, who is George Gershwin? This was a clue that both of you knew. In fact, Liz even gasped and covered her mouth when she realized she knew the answer. Could you describe the tiebreaker in greater detail? I think Kristen mentioned that it took a fair amount of time to set up the tiebreaker. So what were you thinking about while you were waiting in anticipation?
2: After Final Jeopardy, and we, we both got it right, I was like, oh my God, not this again, because I, I had finished the quarterfinal game in a tie going into Final Jeopardy as well. Um, but I ended up seeking out a win there, and it was very nice. Um, this one I ended up going to the tiebreaker because we, we both knew it and as soon as the clue came up I think we all knew that we all knew it like I would have been shocked had Kristen or Emmy gotten it wrong unless I had gotten it wrong as well right I was it seemed pretty open um the Tower of London we were all kind of like okay yeah that's pretty sure totally. but then for the tiebreaker it did take a, a good amount of time to set up because I think it was my Bialik's first tiebreaker ever and so um they we're like okay it's a tiebreaker we cut everything um and then they had us do the pickup where they announced what the category was um and it was the fine arts and then we had a, a pretty good amount of time uh just sitting there waiting for them to set it up talking through it whatever making sure everything was all set and that we hadn't like been leaked a clue or anything um and i remember thinking like the fine arts like is it going to be a painting is it going to be a composer um i was like those are both rough for me like i know the small amount of art that I've seen in person when I was traveling, like with like my mom has taken me to art museums and stuff. Um, I was like, I was like, just fingers crossed it's something Boston local and I can pull it out. Um, and I got lucky because the question was about An American to Paris, which was one of the two um, like long scores that I annotated in high school for Music IB. And I honestly don't remember what the other one was. This is the one that I spent like three quarters of a year annotating and listening to almost every single day and I just got very very lucky that it was something that I knew and I have not been historically great on the puzzle, but I got in when I needed to and I was just astonished because and I, and I told someone else this but at no point did I ever think there was a chance in hell of me making it to the finals until that moment when the clue came up and I knew it and I was like oh my god this could happen like, I had watched Emmy and Kristen play their first games, and we had gotten to know each other over the course of the week, and I was like, oh, it will be an honor to lose to them. Like, they're both so good. But it just all worked out that day.
1: Sounds like you went through all the emotions in, oh, that, yeah. in that game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raymond, you won your semifinal match in a lock against Nam and Neha. We touched upon your $5,021 wager in the last episode and the reasoning behind it, but I want to know your thoughts after the game. I believe... Your semifinal was the first one to tape? Is that correct?
0: Yes, it was.
1: So you were one of the few who had seen every match of the JNCC, whether you played in it or watched from the audience. Knowing you finished with 20,799, were you worried at all you'd be surpassed by another winner? Or did you wait until the end of Isaac's semifinal match to think to yourself, okay, I'm safe, or I could be in trouble here?
0: Yeah, so I, I went into Final Jeopardy in my semifinal in like, the worst position to be in, basically, where it's, like, I feel like I'd almost have it locked up, but there's still a case for, like, making a decent wager and trying to totally lock it up, which is what I ended up doing, and that wager obviously didn't pay off, so I was very, very concerned, like, from the moment that I knew my answer was wrong, um, that I wasn't gonna move on, because um, either... Nam or Neha had the same wrong answer to Final Jeopardy that I had and so when they were ruled incorrect I knew mine was going to be incorrect as well so it like even before it came up on screen that I was wrong I was worried from that moment uh, and so pretty much for all of Isaac's game I was just watching and like kind of like cheering for all of them to do badly basically because I as I wanted the scores to be like low enough to give me a better chance. And I'm I'm glad just for my sake that that game ended up being the one that produced a winner with a lower score than my own. So I didn't have to be on edge for multiple games, waiting and seeing like, is my score going to be enough?
1: For all three of you going into the finals, What was a category that you absolutely did not want to see, whether it's a subject you're generally weaker at or based on another category you had in your previous games?
2: I kind of tip my hand, but anything sports is not in my wheelhouse. I can usually do like Olympics or like outdoor sports um, because I did swimming and like I follow like the Olympics, but I don't know football, baseball, basketball, anything like that.
3: Yeah, for me it is funny, it was musicals, and then I think the first category that showed up in the finals was musicals, and I was like, oh, I know like two of these. We're good. <laughs> I'm not gonna completely tank this. So Erica, we're good.
2: <laughs> I'm so mad about the musicals category. If I could hop in here, that would be I right before we walked on, I was like, I want us to get a musicals category. That's the only thing I feel like I could sweep against these two. And then we got it, and I knew all of them, and I don't think I got in on the buzzer at a single one, <laughs> I was like just fuming. And at my watch party, everyone was like, "Come on, Liz, come on."
1: <laughs> and uh, Raymond, how about you?
0: Um, I would not have wanted to see like a fashion category. I, I am not a fashion gay, so if you ask me about like the different types of hats or whatever, like that's that's not my thing.
1: So something that I noticed while looking at the stats for all 36 of us was uh, the buzzer percentage of the 12 semifinalists. You three weren't winning the buzzer race as often as your opponents. And in fact, between the quarterfinals and the semifinals, all three of your buzz percentages dipped a bit. However, the deciding factor that I think led to each of your victories was accuracy. The three of you came in second, third, and fourth in that category, accuracy, with the exception of Joey being first. After each of you won your semifinal matches, was there ever a moment when you thought, I need to get a better handle of the buzzer if I'm going to win this thing? Or was that a non-factor?
0: I felt pretty good on the buzzer after my um, quarterfinal and semifinal. Obviously, I was getting in on the buzzer enough to win both of those games in locks. But I definitely felt just from the length of the tape day and the nerves of being in the finals that like my... My grip on the buzzer was not as good. And I could tell that even going into the finals, that like my buzzer ability was not going to be matching up to what it was in my previous games. And there wasn't really anything I could do about it, which was kind of frustrating. I just, I could tell that I was not going to dominate on the buzzer. And I knew it was going to be a lot more knowledge based.
3: I think actually having like the back-to-back-to-back games helped there because I was just more familiar with it like recently, I guess. It was funny. Whenever they were like, you have to press it again and again, like you keep pressing the buzzer basically, right? Because it might not register the first time. I was only like pressing it once. And I noticed that like halfway through the final and I was like, this is working. So I guess I won't switch it up. But I was like, this is odd.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am weak on the buzzer. I know that. I really was just kind of like, well, I mean, that is what it is. I'll buzz in when I can, but as far as like accuracy goes, I do think I played it a lot safer than a lot of people do. I mean, when I'm sitting at home, it's a lot easier to say like, Oh, I'd buzz in on that or I wouldn't, but in the moment, having to say I would buzz in on that or I wouldn't like, I know that hundred percent or not. I usually was like, ah, I'm not going to buzz in if I'm not sure, because I was afraid of making a fool of myself on TV. That was a big thing um, was I was, I was very scared of saying something that then I'd get memed on later. <laughs> Which happens, so it wasn't unreasonable. Um, so, I mean, that was one thing for me. I was actually playing it a lot safer than I was expecting to.
1: Next question uh, is fairly simple. Were you a lights person or a sound person uh, when it came to ringing in?
2: Just vibes. Just vibes? <laughs> yeah, I I like couldn't tell you. We were talking about it and on set, and every time I like thought about it for too long, I would start buzzing in too early or too late. So I just had to kind of not think about it and just be like, focusing on the question, and that's what I'd buzz in. i buzz in when they finish. Whatever indicates that.
0: Jez?
1: I think it was lights. And Raymond?
0: Uh, I definitely focused on the lights for most of the tournament. I do remember, like, towards the end of the finals when I obviously, for, like, the whole first game, was not doing very well at getting in on the buzzer. Like, I kind of tried to be more just intuitive with it and see if I could get on it on the sound and that obviously worked kind of well because I got in a, like like a really good streak in double jeopardy in the second game of the finals. But I don't, I don't know how much of that was actually a change in my buzzer approach causing that and how much was just, it just happened to cut, turn out that way.
1: So I asked Raymond this question last week, but for Discarn and Liz, because you appeared in three games each, you had the opportunity to tell three different stories to America uh, my question is: What were some of the stories that didn't make it to air, and if applicable, was there any particular reason why you didn't choose a certain story to tell?
2: The one that I really wanted to make to air that didn't was that um, when I applied to be an orientation leader at Northeastern, um, you had to like do a personal project that was like, oh, explain like who you are and why you wanted to be an OL. Um, and people did like song parodies or like art projects, and I was like, oh. I'll use iMovie my very limited knowledge of iMovie to make an episode of Jeopardy about myself where I'm playing all three contestants and the host and then the answer is always who is Liz Feltner and it was very cute and it went over well because I got the job and they wouldn't let me talk about it
1: oh dang
2: it very sad. yeah
1: that's a great one how about you Jess
3: uh I'm trying to think I did not really have any um it was funny when they were asking like Initially in the application, they were like, these have to be pretty much all academic. And I was like, well, screw it. Like, I don't, I don't know what to put here. So we're just going to put a bunch of stories. And, uh, I, I, I didn't really have too much that I wasn't mad, that I wasn't, uh, happy about them not making it to air. I think it was actually kind of difficult coming up with stuff that was like good for TV because most of the other stuff is just like college kids, like being stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I was like i don't really want my parents to hear
1: this that won't I'll, fly on I'll, prime I'll, time at all <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah so i was just like i'll yeah keep it played safe here we'll just <laughs> say boring
1: stuff
0: <laughs> i have a comment about one of my stories about something that happened recently my second story about visiting the uh baha'i faith center has like had some weird legs to it down the road that like just the other day like someone associated with like the baha'i faith reached out to someone who used to be my coworker, and said like pass this along to raymond we want to talk to him interview him whatever and I'm, I'm intrigued as to how that's going to go but um i i'm pleasantly surprised that like people in the baha'i faith noticed me talk about their faith on tv i think that was kind of cool
1: <laughs> now we're going to get into match specific questions slash details i have written here Uh, some things that I want to explore a little bit that related to the games itself. So for game one of the finals, in terms of clues, there's not much to talk about actually. The only note I have written in my notes here is mythic constellations for sixteen hundred, which was the daily double. Jaskaran wagered ten thousand on. At that point in the game, Jaskaran had twenty two thousand eight hundred. Raymond had seven thousand, and Liz had sixty two hundred. Jazz, did you bet 10000 because you were confident in Mythic Constellations or felt like you had enough room to potentially seal up the finals right then and there? Because watching it at home, that was definitely a tipping point in the finals from the way I saw it. Yeah, it was definitely the latter
3: of those two. I don't really know too much about constellations. I'm not like an astrology guy or whatever. But I was like, okay, we can, you know, gamble on this a little. And uh, I just threw out a guess and it happened
0: to right. So, you know.
1: And then the second note I had down here. How much time was there between Game One and Game Two of the finals?
2: I don't remember. It was not
0: much time. We we didn't get to go back and sit down. We were just still standing there and went right into it. So effectively, no time.
2: I don't remember how you guys were feeling, but I was like not having a good time at the time. I I
0: remember that well. Oh, (laughs) I I was
2: really doing bad. I was like, can I go home? and I blacked out a lot of that I was really really tired I had not slept well because of the time difference I which is like kind of a cop-out but you know
0: I um, I could tell um
2: I crashed hard
0: I I could tell that like Mayim was really tired as well and like (laughs) trying hard not to let it show that like as soon as like the taping of stuff was done that like she took off her heels Uh, and I just I remember like. It made her feel like extra relatable of like, yeah, she's tired too. She's ready to go
2: home. As soon as we were done with pictures, she like took off her hair piece. She was like, get this out of here. And I was like, oh, that's so relatable. That is so relatable.
1: Oh my God. That's great. During the short break period you had between game one and game two, Liz or Raymond, did you feel like you needed to change something up? Was there anything that you, need, you felt like you needed to adjust in the moment going into game two or did you just want to move on to game two?
2: I thought I was toast, and I was, so I was like, I just want a snack, (laughs) and I did not get one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, No, I like don't remember. I was just very frustrated, but it wasn't productive. I was like, I don't know what else I could change. I'm buzzing on the questions I know, and I'm just not fast enough, and they know more than me, so I was like, this is fine. (laughs) I'll just stand here and look cute.
0: I think going into... The second game of the finals, I was probably more concerned about like shoring up second place that I didn't feel like I had that much of a chance to get up to first place. And I don't know how much that affected my play style in the second game of the finals, but having gone from go, I went into final jeopardy in the first game of the finals in third, but managed to move up to a solid second by wagering it all and getting that final Jeopardy correct. So I think I definitely had a, a little bit of renewed confidence, but not so much renewed confidence that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna storm back and take this.
1: <laughs> Moving on to game two, Jazz, you ran the food combos category in the Jeopardy round. Was that something that occurred to you in the moment? Or was that something you didn't find out until the box scores released? No, I didn't
3: I didn't know that in the moment. I just um I think especially when you're doing well in a particular round you just like in the zone and you don't particularly notice until you hit like a a point, like a daily double or something where there's a pause, then you can kind of take it in a little. But yeah, so much of like the finals, just like going back to game one was luck. (laughs) I mean, I just had like pretty much, I hit, I think, yeah, every daily double. So, I mean, that's uh, kind of the story of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was actually gonna be one of my follow-ups. Uh you were able to find all six daily doubles of the finals, capitalizing on five of them. Did your approach to the daily doubles change every time you found one? And obviously you just said you it was just luck that you got all of them, but it sounds like that only occurred to you after the fact, like you just said. Yeah,
3: I guess um in the second game I was I was thinking about it, and then I think when I got the either the first or the second one, whatever one was on the headless horseman, I was I was like the idea here is probably like to cheapen the daily doubles so they don't actually matter much in the grand scheme of things since the game my game one score was so high. So I was like, let me just like I think I bet five hundred on that or something. So it was just trying to make it like a, a lo- the second one a low scoring game if possible.
1: And that was actually gonna be another follow up of mine, a little bit phrases for one thousand, the fourth daily double. And I was actually gonna ask you why you wagered so conservatively, wagering only five hundred, but There you go, guys. (laughs) Going back to the food combos category, are you a food and drink type of guy, like a foodie, or is that just a category you're generally good at?
3: I don't really know. I guess I spend a lot of time watching uh, Hell's Kitchen or, like, (laughs) whatever, you know, Gordon Ramsay puts out on YouTube. Big fan of him.
1: Okay, that's all for the game-related questions. So moving back to some questions about our Jeopardy! experience. What aspect of the Jeopardy! experience surprised you the most?
3: Um, I think, especially coming from Texas, uh, the COVID stuff was like, oh my God, how much of this do we have to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially when it came down to um, wearing masks on set at, at like every point uh, when you weren't filming pretty much or like on camera. Definitely the COVID regulations were like, um, annoying to deal with at the time. Obviously, Omicron was like... Going wild at that point and it was all justified. I, it's just like coming from Texas, it was like
1: a bit of a shock. i was like, oh <laughs> Yeah, I think Sony Pictures the Sony Pictures lot was the last place you'd think you'd catch COVID. Uh how about you, Liz?
2: Yeah, for me, I was very surprised by um how nice everybody was around SAT, I guess. I wasn't really expecting um like all of the, the crew and stuff to be so friendly. I had had, like, a couple brushes with Hollywood. Um, Nothing, like, really as big as Jeopardy or, like, even on that, like, scale of magnitude. But um, I got the impression that it was kind of cold and kind of scary. But everybody was super, super friendly, like the other contestants and all of the producers we were working with were just awesome.
1: Raymond, anything uh, you didn't mention last episode that you'd like to mention here?
0: Uh, Just from thinking about it, I guess... I guess I kind of surprised myself with like with how well I did honestly like I I obviously hoped to like win games and runaways and stuff but I know that like so much of Jeopardy is uh, luck. Uh, it's luck of like who you go up against and what you know and stuff like that. I obviously hoped to win but I didn't necessarily expect to win so having that happen was its own kind of like pleasant surprise.
1: Leading up to the show's premiere I think it's fair to say that ABC did a subpar job of informing people how the tournament would be structured and how many students would be in it. When Mike Richards was the executive producer, it was rumored there would be teams involved and only 15 students from 15 different colleges and universities would be in it, with the grand prize being $100,000 for each winning student. But that all changed when Michael Davies became the new AP last summer. In hindsight, did you like the way our tournament was structured, or would you have preferred to play in a quote-unquote traditional-style tournament of 15 players in wildcard positions?
2: I don't know. I really don't care. I'm pretty indifferent with regards to the the format. Um it was nice to like meet more people and to to be there for longer. I think that if it had only been um 15 contestants, it would have been a lot shorter of a shooting schedule. But also it was like worse odds, you know. When I first heard that, I was really scared. I was rubber, like getting the call that was explaining everything to me, all the details of like travel times and format of the tournament and I had a post-it note where I had drawn out a diagram of like three semifinal games three finalists like this and this and that I'm pretty indifferent I care more about the structure of the actual gameplay itself I'm really glad that they didn't touch that I'm not sure that I would have enjoyed teams um just because it feels like kind of betraying the spirit of jeopardy not about like how well you play and then the best person moves on or whatever so I'm I'm not unhappy with how it went
3: yeah, I think it was fine. I have similar thoughts. Like I think the tournament was structured like the way they structured it was fine. I think the only thing is obviously like the fourth finalists who wins the round uh is not ported a spot in the finals. And obviously that's they're trying to remedy that with a second chance tournament. I just think a lot of um that, that was one thing that sort of stuck out to me. I was like, okay, that's a little weird. Like whoever's in this place is gonna get shafted.
1: Yeah, it's funny, uh You mentioned that, Liz, about like you doing like the whole diagram thing of like figuring out how this tournament works. I remember when I got the call, uh, I think uh, Mindy explained it once to me, exactly once on the phone. And I was very confused. She said 36 people. And I'm like, excuse me, 36 people? And I pretty much like put that in the back of my head thinking uh, they were just lying to me for like privacy reasons or like confidentiality reasons. And once it didn't hit me that there would be 36 people until I got in line for the COVID tests and I counted more than 15 people. I'm like, oh, they weren't lying there's 36 people here <laughs> oh man I,
0: I can i can tell you that um as like a gis major it's a thing in maps uh especially like in the older days of atlases they would put in like a fake town or a fake road somewhere on the map to uh make it um easy for them to catch anyone who is copying their maps so it, basically you assume they were doing the same kind of thing to you like giving you fake information about the format so if that information leaked they could trace it back to you and be like Jarek told everyone <laughs> we're gonna kick him out
1: oh my god that's great yeah i think i think i remember that from a book i read i think it was paper towns that that was a plot point mm-hmm. um but that's 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 such a funny analogy i love that <laughs> uh would you have preferred to have been on the syndicated show despite the results you achieved in this tournament why or why not
0: I definitely um, am glad that I was in the tournament. Um, it brought more, like, special attention because it was a special event. I was able to, like, represent not just myself, but, like, the school and the community and all of that. And I made, like, friends in my peer group of college aged people. Uh, so pretty much I could go on and on about, like, why I preferred the tournament to being on the normal show but that's definitely I'm glad I ended up in the tournament
2: yeah same as Raymond um just kind of a retweet to everything that you said um I'm like a, a big advocate for Northeastern I've kind of name dropped everything but but I've been involved with like the homecoming committee and like the orientation leader and I'm a tour guide and I'm a presidential ambassador and I'm in like a billion clubs and like that's just who I am I love Northeastern a lot Um, So I was very proud to be able to represent them. And I I think that the syndicated show, um, some people argue like, is the college tournament, does it have easier questions or harder questions? And I can't say for sure, but I do think that it has less like pop culture and uh, like I don't know, more history questions that that we would not know the college tournament is more suited to our age group. Um, And I I definitely think I would have done worse on the syndicated program.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm glad I was on the tournament. Um because I like was reading stuff about the shooting schedule, especially if, if you were to win for the syndicated one, which is seems rough because they were kind of just back to back in it and like uh, uh it seemed really rough in the contestants. And then also uh from a question standpoint, I think uh like primarily the syndicated show is like a of mainstay of like American pop culture and it appeals to like an older audience. So a lot of the questions geared towards like a um like a wasp type person in that it's like a lot of the pop culture stuff is like from the sixties and then having grown up in like an Indian household with two Indian parents, I was like, I'm not gonna know any of this. (laughs) So um I think uh yeah prefer the tournament for those reasons as well.
1: That's fair. And speaking of tournaments, Jazz, you're heading to to the Tournament of Champions later this year. I know you told us that the producers called you near the beginning of the JNCC to tell you that you're actually going to be in the Tournament of Champions when it was a little bit unclear if the JNCC winner would be in the Tournament of Champions, but what was your initial reaction like and who are you looking forward to meeting or facing? Um,
3: Yeah, I was definitely really excited when I got the call Uh, and then I was also happy for Isaac because I think they let me know in that call that Isaac would be going to second chance tournament, which... Um, is good uh, so hopefully he does really well there uh, I'm excited to I guess
1: meet a bunch of new people and uh, yeah it's it's, uh, it's going to be rough <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched episodes of you know Matt Amodio Amy Schneider, Andrew He or do you still have to like watch those episodes to get a feel for what their strategy or gameplay style is like
3: I guess I might watch some episodes I watched them like in preparation just because those are the recent Jeopardy episodes out and uh, those are the ones I was like buzzing on the on the buzzer to prepare for. But um, yeah, I mean, I, they all seem like really well-rounded. I'm not sure if there's a category that like their weekend or whatever, and I'm, I'm
1: sure everyone's gonna be great. We're winding down to the last few questions here. Uh, are there any fun behind the scenes stories not related to gameplay that you like to share? I know Liz, Jazz, Raymond, you shared the story about Mayim being just like done after the finals, but is there anything else like that that you like to share with everyone?
0: I, I remember, um, I can't remember if it was y'all or what but i remember coming back to the wheel of fortune set afterwards and like some people were like taking pictures like holding up the wedges from the wheel with real there when that happened i don't remember
2: i do have photos of me on the wheel of fortune set and it wasn't like i was like oh like i'd love to get a picture of the wheel of fortune set it was like i was like can i have a makeup wipe i really just want to take this off my face and go (laughs) And all of the like makeup and hair ladies were kind of just around and some of the producers and they were like, do you want pictures of the wheel set? Come on, get up there, get up there. Get up there. And I was like, okay. And like, they were the ones taking my picture. I was like, thank you. They're like, before you take your makeup off, we'll, we'll get a photo. Yeah, I, <laughs> um,
0: I remember- and it's,
2: it's covered and you can't see it.
0: <laughs> I, I remembered seeing Isaac holding like one of the wedges up. I couldn't remember who else. <laughs> I, I know that I didn't get to hold any.
2: I did not hold a wedge. Uh-huh. They were like, do you want to hold it? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like i can't touch that
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my money.
2: yeah. <laughs> two different th- thought trains there but yeah y'all
1: listening to this can't see the video footage but my mouth was wide open while they were talking about that i did not know that at all oh my god that is amazing um jazz were you there for that no i uh
3: i had my phone off the whole time like a good little boy so <laughs> yeah you got you delinquents were out of
1: it Oh my God, that must have been a lot of fun. What was the what was the uh, night after the finals were taped was like I think you guys said you you went out. I think jazz you bought like a round of drinks for everyone. What was that night like Yeah, yeah as 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 it was
3: obligated to. yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good time. Had dinner with everyone. Um, just sort of post tournament de-stressing it was it was very nice. That's
2: yeah, great. there was only like one restaurant that was open and it was like a weird pizza bar and grill like like it was just the strangest restaurant like a tavern um, type thing i don't know what's I, going on there. but I, I got like pasta i don't know i don't know what was happening there yeah y'all finished um, like
1: super late right
2: it was super late like yeah. it was like 9 when the game ended and then we had to take a billion photos and they're all really awkward
3: <laughs> yeah we got back at like 11 and then uh i remember because i texted my parents because they like kept calling, they had I had like eight missed calls. They're like, "How'd you do?" And then I just texted them like, "I won." And then <laughs> turned my phone off, and I was like, "Okay, we're good." <laughs> but uh, it was like eleven, yeah, and and on like Pacific time. I
1: think. Did any posts or messages from randoms and social media while the tournament was there and catch your attention? And if so, could you share some of the more interesting or funny ones with everyone listening?
2: Oh, there's one I have to go find, but while I'm while I'm doing that. Um, there was a whole, that fiasco, but there was like one man on Twitter who was very mad um, that Emmy, Kristen, and I didn't know what NATO was. And <laughs> and it, it was like a whole thing. <laughs> um, but I I linked to it, I was like, because I know what NATO is. And that one was so silly. But uh, there was a man on Twitter who I was like, Liz writes down, what is the Gilded Age? Yet another foolish answer from Liz. And <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Like I really didn't get that much negative interaction. I was very very lucky, um, but that that was really good. Yet another foolish answer from Liz. My friends will will say that.
0: I had a very notable uh, Twitter interaction after the uh, tournament ended. Um, I got second place, obviously, and Kelly Loeffler, who you may or may not know, was a um, a senator from the state of Georgia tweeted, um, like, congratulations to Raymond Goslow on his uh, second place finish. And she, in 2021, um, lost her race to be, like, reelected to the Senate. And it was, like, her whole candidacy was kind of, like, a meme and weird and stuff. I responded to her tweet and said, oh, it's how sweet. Another second place finish. We're reaching out and support. And a lot of people really liked that tweet. It got like 10,000 likes and a couple thousand retweets. It was very popular just a couple days ago from when we're recording this now. So like a month after the tournament and like that tweet was sent and all that. I was at this uh, event in Mariana, near where i work and i was just walking in and somebody like recognized me and it was just like that kelly leffler tweet was really good <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's iconic that is yeah. i've
1: never heard of someone complimenting someone irl for a ratio like that's I know. This is so weird. Oh, my God. That was one of the most glorious ratios I've ever seen. Holy shit. What a banger of a tweet. Jazz, how about uh,
3: Yeah, I had, a, I had a good tweet after the president was like, we're going to light the, the tower, which is like the big UT mainstay thing or something. And then I said, like, I'm not going to class tomorrow or something. And um, I was actually on the bus when I tweeted that. I fell asleep uh and then when the bus came to austin like three hours later i had like 100 texts I'm like holy shit like what happened <laughs> <laughs> i think the tweet got up to like a hundred sixty thousand or something crazy i was uh i was like well i don't know <laughs> yeah you got
1: mad impressions on that tweet i was like damn <laughs> this tweet is popping off holy shit how did you how did you not wake up with your like phone blowing up did you put it on like silent or something or i don't know i think i was
3: just dead asleep i was dead tired that was the night after so um uh or the the morning after so i uh was driving in from dallas to austin so
1: yeah.
0: the great. algorithm smiled on you there yeah they really did yeah
1: <laughs> some great content you should you should have taken advantage and like promote something like under your tweet i see that a lot with like vibrators. i got
3: texts i got like dms like a few dms from those people who were like can you promote like uh, this uh one of them was like the vibrator thing and i was like dude i'm not gonna promote it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sunset lamp that's under every viral tweet. Yeah, there's
3: like the lamp thing. There's like curtains. There's like a vibrator. I'm like, Dude, what,
1: what am I gonna do
2: with this? The LED strip. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Yeah,
3: and I was like, uh <laughs> no
1: oh my god that's funny did they promise you like a like a free item or like were they gonna like pay you or anything they were gonna pay me or oh, something okay. <laughs> i just didn't respond i think i was like no you already got two hundred fifty thousand. Like, I, I don't need this yeah. anymore yeah yeah <laughs> i don't need to become an influencer <laughs> yeah you can't buy me You can't buy me oh man that's great Oh my lord! Finally, the last question I have here in my notes: What was the best purchase you made with your winnings thus far? And if you haven't bought anything of significance yet, do you have any plans to buy anything that's quote unquote expensive?
2: Oh, for me, um, oh, I have a, I bought a record player. You can kind of see it behind me if you're on video. Oh, cool. Um, I love it. I it was like something I've been eyeballing for a while. It's not even that expensive, but I was like, I'm getting one. The other thing that I just I just splurged on was I went to New York at very last minute for spring break, and I I just was originally going to stay in Boston and give toys or whatever. And I was like, no, like, we're going to go to New York. We're going <laughs> to have a very luxurious vacation staying in a random part of Queens and taking the, the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, so fun. The big thing I'm going to splurge on as soon as I can is I really want to adopt a dog um, after graduation, once I've settled. Um, so that's probably going to be what I'm saving for. Do you
1: have your eye on a breed or do you have not an idea yet?
2: I, I want to get a rescue, so whoever
1: needs me <laughs> Jazz, how about you
3: i have not purchased anything significant yet i was watching the tournament uh the march madness uh men's tournament or i guess the women's too and texas seems to be doing pretty okay so if they make it to the final four i'll probably try and cop like last minute tickets. And have a good time there. The coach gave me his numbers, so I got I'm gonna <laughs> go. yeah.
1: that. Sounds like a plan right there, yeah. Yeah,
3: so if uh, if uh, if they make it that far, I'm definitely gonna look to go. Is your bracket still intact? No, it was wrecked by the first game, all <laughs> it, it was completely destroyed.
1: But uh, hopefully, Texas you know pulls out a dub. Yeah, there have been a ton of upsets recently I've been seeing on Twitter. Uh, Raymond, how about you?
0: So I haven't really bought anything majorly significant, like certainly not since um, cashing the check. But I do, I do have an interesting story about like the check and all of that. Because um, f- first of all, just like kind of having the money in my account has been like a nice cushion of like knowing, you know, I'm not about to overdraw my account or anything like that. But I went to go cash the check on like a Saturday morning at the bank. And so it was like really busy. The line was like out the door and i went there with jordan my spouse and we were just in the back of the line looking looking very uh queer basically and this uh this lady who worked at the bank was also who was also like very overtly obviously queer came back to us and was like can i help you with anything and i was like i'm cashing this like check that's too large to cash at the atm and she was like sure i'll I'll pull you aside to like the side room and we'll get it all taken care of and so it's like I think it's the first ever example of gay privilege. <laughs> oh so that that's my uh my money story, but at the moment it's just kind of sitting in my account and providing a nice cushion of knowing like I'm not about to run out of money anytime soon. And that's a really good feeling.
1: What a great way to put it. Gay privilege. <laughs> that's a good one okay so that is all the questions i have on my sheet thank you guys so much again for participating in this podcast episode i'm sure the people listening uh either took one two or maybe a couple things away from this episode i certainly hope they did um so let wrap things up uh if you'd like to promote any social media or where people can find you um go right ahead
2: uh yeah remember to like like follow and subscribe <laughs> rate right, right on itunes where are you posting this? i have I no idea. I,
1: I started out on spotify some people want me to put it on other platforms but i'm still new to the podcast space so i'll yeah, put check it up us out on
2: podbean on spreaker <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's one of the platforms people recommend it so i might
2: oh <laughs> i know i <laughs> um no y'all can follow me on twitter if you like want to i'm at list feltner one and then um i'm on tiktok that's like my new thing i've been doing i'm at silly goofy liz on tiktok i've made a couple of jeopardy tiktoks just because why not? I'm capitalizing off my fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jazz. Yeah, I guess uh, like follow, subscribe, <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter. I should probably get on Instagram. That'd be a good idea. But uh, I'm on Twitter at Jasing M. Okay. I don't know what I'm gonna do with my Twitter now because I had it for like a couple years and I was just kind of lurking, like following what I wanted to do. And then I finally posted when the Jeopardy stuff started. I was like, mm, you "No, know, I'm not sure what to do with this now." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like—I'll probably post some
0: stupid stuff on there. We'll see. <laughs> and Raymond, uh, most of my social media is private, but my my Twitter is my engage with the public type of account. So it's at frogs underscore letter n underscore maps. Frogs and maps actually on a bit of a social media break right now so i won't be posting or seeing anything for about the next month but i plan to make my triumphant return in a few weeks
1: all right perfect and like everyone here said make sure you guys like this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to uh subscribe for future episodes i might do, who knows, maybe more interviews with JNCC contestants or Jeopardy contestants in general. I definitely want to make this like a thing where I interview like contestants about their experience and talk about the details about their games specifically. So make sure you subscribe for that type of content if you're interested. And yeah, once again, thank you, Raymond, Jazz, and Liz for uh, doing this. Uh, I know you guys are really busy. You're in the middle of your semester. So thank you for taking about an hour of your time to do this with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. you.
2: Mm. This was so fun.